Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Thankful as always that our pastor gives us the opportunity that we get to preach and uh, want to fulfill my fulfill my calling. I, I, I didn't realize this, but this morning, or, or this morning, I was told by one of our young people that I tell a lot of jokes when I preach. And I didn't realize that you all have a counter going. <laughs> and you keep track. And the record is 19, I heard. And she said, there's not really jokes as much as they are just things I stop and make funny. So I'm going to try to be more serious tonight for her just to make sure I, uh, uh, anyhow. But uh, if you can't enjoy the Christian life, I think we're missing something. And uh, I, I want to enjoy my life. Not tonight. Uh, I wrestled the wrestled all week long about the message for this evening. Of course, knew I was going to be preaching this evening. It's on a schedule. But uh, I've been kind of wrestling back and forth <clears throat> about the topic. I even changed off the topic, and I studied something different, differently just to be politically correct. And uh, the Lord just keeps banging me on the head. And you've been there when you know this is what you're supposed to do. Anybody been there like that? And uh, I even talked to Pastor a little bit the other day about it. and said, I don't want to get up there and cause any, any misunderstanding or ruckus or anything. And he just said, if you're preaching the Bible, don't worry about it. I said, okay, good. All right. So, um, but he's not here tonight, so I can even really get by with it. And, uh, and this is not recorded, is it? And uh, taped. And uh, it's going to be podcasted. I know, I know, I know. Anyhow, but... Just teasing about that. But anyhow, I don't want to do that, but I do want you to preference this this evening. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 22 to start off with. Proverbs 22, we're going to start off there this evening. I do want to kind of preference this this, this evening. I'm going to mention uh, preachers a lot tonight in the message, and you'll understand why in a little little bit. But I'm talking about all of us. We are all preachers. When you got saved... Whether you liked it or not, you became a preacher. And by your actions, by the way we live, we represent now Jesus Christ in our life and how we act and how we live and how we speak and how we even uh, witness for the Lord. People are looking at us and we're all preachers. So I'm going to include all of us in this night when I say preachers to go on with a topic. I'm not uh, 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 trying to uh, cause anything, any issues whatsoever in our church. We have a church that believes in Bible preaching. We have a preacher who goes verse by verse, thus saith the Lord. So get this out of the way, first of all, right? And and we have to appreciate that. So this is not about uh, me trying to start something and I'm kind of preference what what I'm going to say tonight about this. But but we've moved some landmarks in churches. And I want to make sure that that you understand we got to stay at some places we got to dig in our heels, and we got to stay at some places. We can't let what's happening around us affect uh, some things. Now, I'm all, there's some things I'm all excited about. I like some of these new things that are happening, so don't get me wrong. But there's some scripture, some, some Bible doctrine. I'm only going to pick a few tonight, and I could probably spend an extra hour on all the topics. But we need to not move, and I might jump ahead of myself, the landmarks. 
that we were founded upon. Verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 22 of Proverbs. If you would stand with me as our custom is, as we respect the word of God this evening. Let's read a few verses here. Verse 28 will be the text verse for this evening. And I have no pre-jokes. So that's one off the list. <laughs> verse 22. Rob not the poor because he is poor, neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. These are just words of wisdom that Solomon are giving us here. Let us learn, the way, learn his ways and get, a, and get a snare to thy soul. Be not thou one of them that strike hands. It means making a deal, uh, even a shaking of a hand. Uh, of them that are sureties for debt. Talking about uh, making loans, if you would, or borrowing off someone. Be careful what you do when you make deals with people. If thou hast nothing to pay, and you really shouldn't borrow money, you've got nothing to pay, by the way. That's just common sense. But why should he take away thy bed from under thee? And this is the verse for deceiving them. Remove not the ancient landmark. And I love that word ancient there. Which thy fathers have set. Seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God this evening. God, I thank you for a church, a, a pastor and a church that, that uh, believes in preaching. It believes in the word of God verse by verse and, and word by word. And we believe in thus saith the Lord. We believe that and thank for that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here is because of the stand that we take. But, Lord, we need to be reminded that we don't allow some things to slip away. And we, be, we, we stay very current and, and refresh ourselves about some things that are, that are in Scripture that we need to uh, stand upon. God, may you give us all listening ears and a listening heart to see. And in your name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gave them land. And that land right now is being fought over right now today, and I'm not going to get into that this evening. Sometimes we forget that he also gave each tribe a section of land. There was 12 sections for the tribes. And he gave to each family of that tribe also a particular parcel of land. So your family was given, if you would, a property that you could start off uh, uh, to raise your family and raise your whatever it may have been you were, you were wanting to invest it in, and God gave them that. And each family had this parcel. Then each family would go out and they would mark that parcel with landmarks. They would get them a pile of stones or whatever their, their branding may want to be. And they would go out and they would make boundaries uh, where, their, where the lines were at to not be in someone else's property, not be in another tribe's property, not be in fan, your neighbor next to his property, but stay where they were at. Nowadays, we have surveys. We have pins put in the ground and they tie little pink ribbons on there tell you where you're at where you shouldn't be and, and it's hard to pull that pin out of the ground and move it isn't it and it was done to make sure that people would stay in their own lot God gave the Israelites definite rules regarding these markers in Deuteronomy chapter number 19 he told them do not remove thy neighbor's landmark which they have old, have old time set in their inheritance uh, which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. And God warned them in Deuteronomy, do not move your neighbor's landmarks 
to increase the property that you have. And we still fight over that today, don't we? All these years later. And these markers went from generation to generation, from family to family. And that's why as we go through the Old Testament, it was so important about the property and about the proper uh, uh, passing down of who was in charge of the family because the property went with it, all the, all the uh, uh, cattle or whatever they may have went with it. So it was very important to them. And God said, this kind of thing of moving someone's landmark is dishonest. I want to bring that to a spiritual thought this evening principle from this Proverbs 22, 22. And you may think that I'm kind of square when I say this, and, and you may uh, uh, believe that, that uh, uh, not believe what I say this evening, but uh, listen, for decades now, if you're paying attention, we've seen Christians, churches, preachers move the landmarks. Been paying attention whatsoever, have your eyes open. Uh, the Christian faith has moved from where it once used to be. We have learned so much that we don't need doctrine, we don't need absolute inspiration of the scripture. We've learned so much that we're so intelligent now, we have God's mind figured out long before He does. And we're going to move the landmarks that our fathers and our forefathers and even our country was founded upon years ago. And, and, and these, uh, uh, these distinguishing doctrines of the Christian faith uh, have pretty been washed away. And we're seeing all these new things happening and, and uh, old line denominations, which uh, we understand the issues with that. But uh, uh, we're trying to come to date. And I know some of you don't like talking about the old fashioned way. But God gave us the principles, Christians, there's protection and not moving the landmarks I've set for you. And we need to be careful about moving those landmarks. And instead of moving forward and removing the landmarks, we ought to be moving backwards to put them back where they were at. And those ancient landmarks are what made this nation a great nation. When America had Christian, moral, biblical values, we were a great nation. We started in the proper way. We started on spiritual, biblical basis, and they're being removed daily. And we see what's happening around us. We look all around us today, and we hear everyone telling us what they think the solution is. We have psychological issues that we can deal with, with the social issues. We have psychological issues that we can deal with. And not too many people are talking about the biological issues to go back to where we were at and to fix the problem that we had and how we got to where we are. And I hate to say this, and I understand that I may be the old guy in the room when it comes to preaching here, but we need to go back to the good old landmarks even long before me. Long before me. Perhaps something, well, it was 2023, Pastor Barry. Don't you think it's time to move on? No, I think it's time to move back. Because you see what's happening. We see what's going on. Now listen, and there again, I'm going to preface this and say, listen, we got a church that understands the landmarks. And I'm not any way trying to fix anything that I see going on. Don't get me wrong, Stephen Adolf. If you go out and say that, I'm going to call you a liar. And I'll come to your house and tell you that to your face. Because you're in the directory and I got your address. <laughs> but we ought to thank God for a place that's not, that's not 
going to move the landmarks where we came. Thank God for a pastor who understood the church he took over and the church he's pastoring and what our history is all about. Thank God for that. So don't get me wrong this evening. But how many of you can, I'm going to play a game with you. If you can remember a time when this happened to you, I want you to say amen, all right? This will be the first joke. All right? Say amen if you remember you would clean your rug by hanging on the clothesline and hitting it with a stick. Amen? Uh, you could walk to the grocery store, rattle off your list to the clerk, and he would go fetch it for you while you waited. Movie theater was cheaper on Saturday, and you didn't have to worry about what they were going to show you. We got our news, latest news from the radio. Doors of your home were seldom locked, let alone have a camera, an alarm, and have somebody peeking in your house all the time that you don't know who they are, but you're paying them to keep an eye on your house. Just saying. You didn't know you were poor because everyone around you was just as poor as you were. See, young people, hear these old people over here talking. This is how life really is. <laughs> Good old days, amen, I knew. But Larry, you still cold, Larry? You're talking about being cold. And uh, anyhow, we're going. Hobos will stop by your house for food and then they'd do a chore. You knew all your neighbors. Your mom would can the vegetables so you could make it through the winter. You didn't have any AC. You didn't know you were hot. <laughs> At school, you were expected to pay attention and do what you were told the first time. Yeah, we remember. Most men work six days a week. Doctors made house calls carrying a black bag with everything they needed. Nowadays, you can't get in for $100,000 and they don't have enough. <laughs> the word gay meant happy. A mouse was a rodent, not something you put in your hand at your desk. Downloading was how you got the hay in the barn, and a website's a place where the spiders hung out at. Amen. You hoped it wasn't raining when you needed to go to the bathroom. Me, I was more worried about splinters than I was about the rain. But. And we've come a long way, haven't we? And be honest about it, most of the things I mentioned, I'm glad we've come a long way. I'm glad I have a heated toilet seat. I really don't, but, I'm, but they do. I'm glad we've come a long way. I don't have to walk outside to go find a bathroom. But, but I really am glad, so don't get me wrong. But we need some good old-fashioned preaching, living on some spiritual landmarks and not move them just because we keep moving, uh, uh, getting more techie in our lives. We, we need to stay where we're at. So what is good old-fashioned preaching? Some would say it's a tone of your voice. Some would say jumping on the pews. But what is the characteristics that really sets good old preaching apart 
And while we know some people get so excited, their blood pressure goes up 90 points while they're preaching. I mean, we, we went to church for a long time where I went to college at, and our preacher kicked over the mic stands. There were 12 mic stands. He had them all kicked over by the time the sermon was over. And uh, that's when they still had cords on them. But what is it? What is bold preaching? It's preaching or living in our lives without compromising. One of the great reasons for America's moral washout is that we now have watered-down sermons coming from our pulpits, and people think nothing about living godly seven days a week. And the people who are watching us are seeing what's happening. We all are preachers. We're all God's creation and preaching forth. Even his creation preaches forth God as the creator and who he is and what he's done for us. And we've got to realize that. And our life, uh, our life should be, uh, uh, should be a, uh, if you would, uh, kind of emblem of love and compassion. But yet sticking to the truth and saying this is how it is, thus say it the Lord. We need preachers to say thus say it the Lord without apology. And I read a number, a number of little things to go along tonight that kind of keeps your attention. But a preacher without boldness is like a knife without an edge. Like a gun without a bullet. And to me, a Camaro without an engine. <laughs> People are very bold today about their sin. They're very bold about coming out of the closet, whatever it may be. They even flaunt it. And even Christians are flaunting their, their, their uh, uh, immoral lifestyle, their immoral way of living, their immoral thinking, and think it's okay, that so-called Christians, and we're okay with that. But God's not okay with that. It's a landmark that we've allowed to slide because we don't want to sound like we're too mean. And every Christian, uh, 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 listen, we ought to be bold about saying this is what sin is, like it or lump it. Uh, and we preach, preachers uh, ought to be able to bold enough to say cry out against the sin and, and listen we need in this hour uh, the prophet of God saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand Amen. Billy Sunday who's often quoted and uh, uh, a preacher from the yeah, late 1800s early 1900s and he had about 20 years there and he was really the hot thing he was a uh, saved uh, baseball alcoholic and boy he railed he railed about uh, alcohol and wrecked about, uh, railed on that, railed on that because he was one. And he talked about that. He was an inter, inter, interesting key to uh, prohibition during that time. And it said that he preached, he would run across the platform back and forth. And his outlines were like an inch high so he could read it as they passed on by. And he kept on preaching. But he was asked one day, this is back in the early 1900s. Hey, Billy, you need to stop the way you're preaching. You're offending people. You need to stop rubbing the cat the wrong way. And Billy Sunday said, I'm not changing my preaching. Let the cat turn around. <laughs> That's all. Let the cat turn around. Bold preaching is avoided. We are afraid. And I understand we live in a day that, that listen, a pastor for many years. I understand the fear of preaching on things, worried about someone's going to leave. But if someone leaves a church over good, godly-based Thus saith the Lord's sermon, then so be it. But if you're running them off because you have personal preferences or personal things you like, uh, then not so be it. You ought to go and someone else come and preach. But, but we got to say that. Listen, but listen, in the days of old, 
What was the difference? What makes a preacher? It wasn't the man, it's the message. It wasn't uh, how rough it may have been, it was how real was it. It wasn't uh, how he said it, it was what he said. It was not how loud they may have gotten, it was how uh, it was lived. It was not good acting, no, it was pointed, accurate at the heart. It was not personality, its intent is purity. And I read many years ago, Jonathan Edwards was preaching a sermon, God's Three Deadlines. And supposedly the writing, history tells us that he was a very monotone voice, very kind of boring type speaker and preacher, didn't have a lot of antics in what he was doing. And he, and he stood there behind the pulpit and he read his sermon word for word. But it said as he read his sermon on God's three deadlines, people were gripping the pews, feeling like they were falling off into the chasm of hell as he preached about God's three deadlines. Just reading a sermon. It wasn't the man. It was the message. And a Holy Spirit-filled preacher who was giving the message. We're not to be walking on eggshells, even though I think we ought to be kind compassionate, but we should not be afraid now and then if we step on some toes. I got a long introduction and a short sermon as I've been known for. It's not fiery delivery as much as it is a faithful content. It's not just a, a, a guy pounding, it's God producing. However, uh, however today the fire is going out, it's not the delivery but it's a truth that's being preached. One day, a young preacher man came to Jonathan uh, Wesley, John Wesley, and he said to him, and I, the premise of his question I don't really like too well, but he said, I want to have more people come to hear me preach. I want to have bigger crowds. And Jonathan Wesley said, John Wesley said to this young man, let me tell you how to do that. Put yourself on fire. They'll come to watch you burn. They'll come to watch you burn. When we preach the truth, people will come to hear it, no matter how it may be. And uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, I got to get to the message here. I haven't got there yet. I'm getting there, close to it. I don't want to be involved in something where the little boy came home from church. Joke number two. I'm keeping track. And uh, his mom said, what did your preacher preach on today? And the little boy said, he didn't say. Now, folks, that's not the kind of sermon we ought to be preaching. When people leave, I don't know what you said. What does say the Lord, what was said that day? And uh, D.L. Moody uh, said that good preaching will make people get right or get mad. And I know this over the years of preaching and, and being involved. If people walked out getting right or at the altar maybe or walked out mad at me, I know I did a good job. But I'm going to give you three areas tonight that we shouldn't let slip they're very basic, and I, as I said, I could spend an hour longer on all kinds of, of, of doctrines and things from Scripture. Uh, I could uh, do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you three simple ones this evening that we need to remind ourselves to stay fresh and to stay aware of these things. Uh, they're they're uh, very simple, very easy to remember. Number one is we need to preach and stay, stay hard against sin. Against sin. For the wages of sin is still death. It doesn't say this to the unsaved people. It says it to all of us. 
And we as Christians, one day we will pay a price for our sin. It is death. Sometimes we can hurry that up, I think, even though God knows the time. And sometimes we can uh, uh, maybe uh, thinking uh, we can hold it off if we try to live a clean, pure life. But I know this, that one day if God tarries Christ coming, I will face death. Because I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. But it doesn't give me the right to allow sin to keep freely flowing through my life when I know better. But we don't want to talk about it today. We don't want to talk about sin. Let's see, see man, call, man calls sin an accident. God calls an abomination. Man calls sin a blunder. God calls it blindness. Man calls sin by chance, but God calls it by choice. Man calls sin a fascination. God calls it fertility. Man calls sin an infirmity, but God calls it uh, iniquity. Man calls sin a luxury. God calls it leprosy. Man calls sin, it calls it liberty, and God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it uh, uh, sin trifle, and God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mistake, and God calls it madness. Man calls sin weakness, and God calls it willfulness. And I believe in being positive. And I want to live a life where I, I try to be positive and help people, encourage people along life's way. But we got to realize something this evening. Uh, we got to share the good news. And the good news is you're going to die without Jesus and go straight to hell. But the good news is he already paid the way for you. We can't be sugarcoating the truth and, and uh, hiding behind this. We, got, we can't be moving the landmarks of sin and what it's all about. I, and I like being positive. But listen, if your mail carrier didn't give you all the mail you deserve, especially that special check you're waiting on, would you like him or not? If, if, hey, listen, if there, listen, we got to have the good news, yes, but they got to face the bad news. We need to hear all God's mail. That includes the bills. That includes the penalty. That includes the summons to appear before him. And folks, one day, we will all stand in front of him. That, that bothers me. Because he's going to know, I have, there's no, word, no way I can twist out of that. I can't get a lawyer to go in there and defend me. He is the lawyer to God. I can't go around that. And I realize, trying to live my life, that one day I will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I really want to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. But I'm awful afraid I'm going to hear, you know what, you knew about this and you didn't take care of this. You should have took care of that. But well done, welcome in here. We all want to have God's mail, mail but realize uh, we're going to be something before him. We, we all uh, get junk mail, but I want to get some real mail. I want to hear some real truth from God's word. I want to hear something that will help me, inspire me to live this week as I need to live. And one of those things is I need to be worried about the sin I keep continually, continually committing. Because there's a price for that sin. We need to tell it like it is. See, it's not abortion, it's murder. It's not a choice, it's homosexuality, it's abortion. It's not some alternative lifestyle, 
alcoholism is a sin, not a symptom, not just a habit. It's horrible. It's sinful. Uh, Adultery. Oh, we don't want to get down this road because it hits home, some of us. But adultery is not an affair. It's not a one night sin. It's sin. We don't want to talk that way anymore. We don't want to bring that. Thus saith the Lord. We don't want to go down that road because I'm just I'm too modern now that that sin can't attach itself to me. It's just the way it is nowadays. We need some good old fashioned preaching against sin. See, we go to Romans and I'm going to spend a lot of time here. I'm going to move on, get you out of here uh, as normal, probably. But in Romans chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, verses 21 or so through the end of chapter, Paul talks about some sins, and you and I, we get all excited about. God gave them over to reprobate mind. Amen, brother, that's good preaching, right? Those, those people that used uh, their natural things for the wrong thing, a sinful way, those who God just basically gave up as reprobates, let them go. We, we love that. We say, amen, praise God. Yeah, let them have it. But in chapter 2, he talks to you and I. Believers. He, talk, and he, he highlights our hypocrisy that we live as believers. And he got real pointed in verse 20 of chapter 2 Romans. He talks about the instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which, which has form of knowledge and not the truth in the law. And he talks about how the fact you teach this and yourself, you're not following it. You preach this but yourself, you're not following it. And I'll say, some man shouldn't commit adultery, but are you committing adultery? You say that uh, you say that you abhor idols, but are you causing committing some sacrilege? See, we like saying amen when it's somebody else's sin, but you and I know very well the sin that we face the most day to day is the sin from our heart. Right? Jesus came down. He identified the problem with those believers. And the problem with the believers are at your heart. You say this, and you may not do this, but your heart is wicked. But we don't like to see, no amens when I say that. If I talk about abortion, amen, brother, you let it go, right? If I talk about homosexuality, amen, brother, yeah, because we're not touching your toes. When it comes down to the matter of the heart, we all have issues. We all have hatred. We all have disdain for somebody. We all have our whatever it may be. We're all there. It's who we are. It's natural. Don't Please don't think I'm trying to... And I'm pointing out to you, I'm sorry, but your wife told me all about it. And we're quick to be indignant about those people who commit those atrocities, those sins we think are just beyond measure. But what about the sins that the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of and you day by day keep keep rejecting his convicting you? Sin. Number two, I want to think about the landmark of about hell. Hell. We don't like that word. I don't like saying that word. I don't like that word very well. Revelation 20 tells us, in death and hell were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's no way out of that. 
We need Christians like Jesus who realize the destiny they were headed to and those around us are headed to the same place if we don't speak up and warn them about hell. We have heard it said, and you've heard this said, and, and uh, even this week as I was preparing for the message, I was thinking about this, and we've heard it said that, that Jesus mentioned hell twice as much as he did heaven in the Bible. How many of you heard that before? Don't, don't, you raise your hand. You raise your hand. How many of you heard that before? You know that's a lie. That's not true. <gasps> I'm going to go check it. Go check me out. I'd check myself out because I was thinking the same way. I said, I don't think that really happened. So I, I went through and, and uh, uh, Thank the Lord for somebody who already did the work for me, but I found him. But he said in the four Gospels, Jesus speak, is speaking about 1,900 verses or so right around there in those four Gospels. Now, we understand many of those are repetitious from the Gospel to Gospel. About 1,900 verses he speaks, Jesus is speaking. And those 1,900 verses or so, give or take some, 60 of those verses he spoke about hell, Haiti, uh, 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 Lazarus and the rich man, if you would. Uh, and that's roughly, roughly about 3%. And those same verses talk about the kingdom of, uh, of God, heaven, eternal kingdom. He spoke about, about those in 192 verses. It's about 10% of a speech. Well, those preachers, no, here's what those preachers mistook and misspoke. Jesus spoke more about hell than any other person in the Bible. And over the years, that has changed to what we heard some that what they say now. Well, he spoke more about hell. Well, that's not really true. What's the topic he spoke, what topic did he speak the most about? I know you know the answer. You're a smart crowd. What did he speak about the most in the Bible? Jesus. Anybody know? I know you know. Come on. Money. Money, spoke more about money and those things than anything else in Scripture. Uh, so anyhow, there you go. You get, you get a present. Who was that? Was that April? Was that April back there? No. Crystal? Who, who said that? Julie, you would know that. Oh, you would know. That's not fair. You cheated. Anyhow, I know why you know that. Anyhow. Yes, you would know that. Anyhow. But, but listen, these verses speak about, and I'm not trying to belate what preachers say or whatever, but this, Jesus did have, he did speak about having more, uh, held more than any other person in the Bible. So it is something we ought to think about, something we ought to uh, uh, realize someone that you know is heading there. And we can't move, we can't say, well, it's not really real. The topic, uh, uh, and we just can't allow it to happen. I got, this is another joke, joke number three. I don't know where am I at. I'll have to ask her afterwards how many I had tonight. She, she, she keeping track? And uh, you helping her out over there? A couple from North uh, Oklahoma decided one winter was such a long, cold, hard winter, they were going to take a weekend vacation in Florida. It was decided the husband would fly first with schedules where they both worked jobs and they both had a hard time. So the husband was going to fly to Florida on Thursday. Wife was going to fly down the next day and uh, just spend a week down in nice warm weather in Florida. So he arrived in Florida on time like he was normally would, like he thought he would. He checked into the motel. He decided to open his laptop and send the email back to his wife. However, accidentally, he left off one of the letters in her email address. And he sent the email without realizing it to someone else. Well, a widow in Houston had just returned from her husband's funeral. 
He was a pastor for many years who had been called home to glory. And the widow checked her email after she got back from the funeral, expecting to get some more messages from families and, and relatives and maybe some friends. So she opened up her, her uh, computer and she began uh, to read the emails and got the first email and she fainted on the floor. Her son comes running into the room to find out what was going on, finds his mom laying on the floor, and he reads the screen. To my loving wife, from your departed husband. Subject, I just arrived. Message, I just arrived, I've been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to see you then. Hope your journey is uneventful as mine. P.S. It's awful hot down here. <laughs> Heaven is a real place. We ought not move the landmark about hell. About hell. Some of you know Ted Turner. Some of you newer ones probably don't know Ted Turner. He was the founder of TBS and TNT and CNN. That's all it tells you where he's at. But he was given a speech one day to a national press club. And he said this. Remember, heaven is going to be perfect. And I don't really want to be there. Those of us who go to hell, which will be most of us in this room because most of us are journalists, and the room laughs. But when we get there, we'll have a chance to make things better because hell is supposed to be a mess and heaven's perfect. And who would want to go to a place that's perfect? And he said, boring, boring. In late 1989, he said, the Dallas Morning News, that Christianity is a religion for losers. Christ died on the cross because Mr. Turner said he shouldn't have bothered. I don't want anybody dying for me. I have a few drinks and a few girlfriends, and if that puts me in the hell, then so be it. This is where we're at today in our world. Because I think some of God's people have moved the landmark. But we think about hell. Hell makes people uncomfortable. We ignore it. We reject it, but it's still real. This story here just moves me. Hell at ground zero. 9-11, ground zero. You know where I'm at here before I start? The fireman, his name is John Silcox. He's a New York fireman. He's a Christian who helps search for survivors at ground zero. He writes that he and his co-workers call this place the pit. Almost everywhere I looked, Mighty columns of steel were twisted into sad, pointless structures, towering over the tragic scene as workers tried to find survivors. Gray smoke was everywhere. I'm no theologian. I'm a New York firefighter, but I can't imagine hell being much worse than the pit. I have no idea what hell is truly like, he writes, but I've seen a place so bad that I want to do everything I can to make sure my friends, my families, and my neighbors know Jesus and will spend eternity with him. And this is the job that all of us are called to do. 
unless we never forget the plan of salvation, we need to tell people about what's heading for them if we don't come to Christ. Amen. A couple months ago, we were down at the Billy Graham Library for uh, some type of evangelistic meeting. I don't remember exactly what they called it. And they gave us a book and a couple of books to read. And, and one of the books was a book on eternity that was written by Billy Graham just to just in like 2015, something like that, he wrote this book. And what he did is he went to each book of the Bible and he pulled out some type of teaching or picture pointed thought about heaven from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And I read that book, finished up a few weeks ago and read it. And, and, I, and he, I won't go to all the details of all the things he said in there, but he was very vivid about places in earth right now that you would think they're hell if you went there and visited them. Where lava and hot hot uh, uh, lava and things like that are, are spewing right now around our world. But he said this is in all of his study and all of his years, he said, if being the fact that hell is really, is really uh, uh, hot, a place of uh, uh, eternal uh, suffering and turmoil and you never die, he said, it's helped motivate me in staying true to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And folks, we really ought to take some time now and think about how real heaven really is. And the loved ones we know, and the friends we know, neighbors, I know it's hard sometimes, and I know, I know it's not easy, but uh, uh, we got to keep that, that landmark of hell. Number three, and lastly, is this, and we're out of here, on sacrifice. We need to not move the landmark of sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 says, I therefore beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. Sure, we live in a day of comfortable Christianity. Man, if it's too hot in here, I hear about it. If it's too cold in here, I hear about it. If the air conditioning's on, I hear about it. If it's not on, I hear about it. Hey, my pew's broke. Can you fix my pew? I'll sit on the floor. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, that's how it used to be. I'm going to get an old mourner's bench out here with splinters on and have you sit in that for a while. No, I'm just teasing. But we've become, I'm kidding, we've become so comfortable. We've got to have everything the way it needs to be. And we no longer are consumed with giving our bodies a living sacrifice. We live a day in comfortable Christianity. But Jesus majored on sacrifice. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Let the dead bury the dead. Right? You're going to have to sacrifice some. And, uh, and, and one day a group came to Jesus and said, well, if we follow wherever you go, uh, where are you going? He said, I got no place to go. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. I got no place to lay my head. Where are we sleeping at? We're going to be like Jacob out in the middle of the desert sleeping on a rock. A life of following Christ. Now listen, I don't know of anybody in this room this evening that you're really sacrificing. Y'all came in a car. Y'all had a good lunch. Y'all getting ice cream after church. We got everything in our house we ever need. And we have air conditioning, and we don't know anything about being hot. Right? And I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about our self-pleasures that we enjoy maybe giving them up for a time to serve the Lord. Amen. Yes. You know, sometimes it doesn't really matter how I feel about things. How does God feel about things? How, how, instead of me, I got to have it my way. How about, what does God think 
the way I should have it is. And it may be not having something or doing something that I would prefer to do. He was serving notice to them. I'm calling you to a life of sacrifice. Today, it's all handed to us. And it's not handed to you. The government will give it to you. Our government has gone crazy on giving handouts to people. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. But I think Christianity is now following that same trend. Preacher, you give me, and I'll see you later. Because we need that. There was a missionary, dying missionary in Africa, and this is the last part of the message here, and we'll be done. I'm going to read what his letter he wrote. He, he died, but on his desk, this letter was found. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I've stepped over the line. Decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't let back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away. And I won't be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, a promotion, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, topsed, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I'm now living by faith. Leaning on his presence, walking by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, and my way rough. My companions few, my guide is reliable, my mission's clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in my presence uh, of the adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, Shut up, let up, until I've, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know, and work till he stops me. We need more Christians like that missionary. Amen. Yes. It's amazing today what it takes for a child of God to get mad and walk away from serving God. It's just amazing. You hurt my feelings. Get over it. That's part of life. Feelings get hurt. People sometimes don't understand what's going on. But serving God. Uh, I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago in my Sunday school class, and I'm done with this, is that one of the things that have kept me trying to keep my face the right direction is this. I've seen God change people's lives. I've seen people's lives not change. But I've learned over the years of pastoring and being in the ministry that my goal is not to try to change somebody. 
My goal is just to give them direction and let them choose which way to go. I want to, I see you what you can be, not what you are right now. And that's the way God sees you. And if we sacrifice and say, I'm going to serve God with my life, and I'm just going to keep going, in 10 years from now, you'd be surprised where you're at in the cause of Christ. And I see that. That keeps me motivated. It keeps me fueled up. It keeps me, uh, as this man was saying, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm just going to keep going because I see what God can do. And so I know what God did in my life and is doing in my life. Let's not move some landmarks. And I mentioned already, we could spend, I could spend a lot of time on a lot of points this evening, but those are three I picked out. We need to get serious, sold out for God, because he sold out for us. Amen. Yes. He sold out for us. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. God, I thank you for these precious words, this precious book you've given to us. And as I read through it, I find people like me, sinners saved by grace, not living a perfect life, not necessarily living a life that's even pleasing to you at the time of the writing or the reading or the story, but yet in your sovereign wisdom and grace and foreknowledge of what that person can be, we, I see you helping someone through some of the most amazing circumstances in Scripture. I've been teaching about Jacob in class, Lord, and been amazed at how really backslidden Jacob was, and yet you kept guiding him, leading him, directing him. Now he's the founder of the Israel nation. You still use the sinner saved by grace, and we thank you for it. God, help us not to move the landmarks. Help us to realize that sin is sin. There's a price for sin. Help us to realize that there's a hell, and those without Christ are going to die and go there. And God, realizing serving you is a life of sacrifice. With our heads still bowed this evening, thank you so much for being so attentive and listening this evening to me. There were many things that I said I could have mentioned tonight that I didn't want to take time up to do that, but listen, let's not move away from the things we know that are of the faith. Let's keep the landmarks dug in. Let's not allow our life, personal life, to move them. Let's not allow things, we all, it'd just be a whole lot better if we move this. No, it may not be better may appear. But let's dig in and keep the landmarks where they need to be at. Just keep serving God. Realize sin is sin. Hell is real. It does take a little sacrifice to serve the Lord. Let's stand on our feet this evening as we sing a few songs of God's book. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.